Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, a very warm welcome to Selston Baptist Church. Whether you are watching the service today from your home, whether you're one of those who are in our church building at the moment and looking on there, whether you've been part of the church community here for a while or only just come across us through watching these services, we're really pleased you are with us this morning. And we hope and pray you will be blessed as we come together and reflect on God's word and worship him. Don't forget as well that if you've only recently started watching these services, you can say hello to us by way of a comment on YouTube or other social media. We'd love to hear from you and get to know you more. And it would also be great to see you in the foyer. There's that time we have after the service when we come together on Zoom for a conversation when we think more about the sermon and share what's happening in our lives, it's always good. We have some great discussions that are digging a little bit deeper into what we think God's been saying to us. So let's worship our gracious and loving God now. And we'll do that in a moment after this week's SBC News. Hello and welcome to this week's SBC News. I'm Andrew and I'm Matthew. Next week, the 11th of October, is Harvest Sunday. If you would like to give towards this year's appeal and don't have online or telephone banking, please note that cheques can be sent made out to Open Doors with Brother Andrew and the address to send them to is now on the screen. It can also be found in the church news email. All those in formal church membership at SBC should have received two letters about this year's diaconate elections this week together with nomination forms. Please pray over who you will nominate and return the completed forms to Teresa by Sunday the 18th of October. A reminder for our young people that we are now running a Sunday youth meet-up at the church from 6 o'clock in the evening to half past 7. Please contact Martin for further details. On Tuesday the 6th of October at 7 o'clock, Denzel will be bringing us the latest Gospel Reflection and on Thursday the 8th of October, please join us for the next episode of SBC Chat, which this week will be with John and Sylvia. Because of the virus, we're not allowed to host a floating shelter in our church this winter. We've been asked instead whether we can assist Nightwatch in making sandwiches for distribution to homeless people throughout the season. Each church would need to supply about eight loaves on one night per week. Would you be able to provide a loaf of sandwiches on some or every Thursday when we would normally have been hosting the shelter, which is during February and March 2021? We've been given clear guidelines for their safe preparation, and we also need people to collect and take them to the Friends Meeting House in Central Croydon at about 8.30pm. They are distributed by Nightwatch volunteers from Queen's Gardens. Please could you email Pat and John Hazel as soon as possible. Their email is in the church directory answering the following two questions on the screen now. And finally, today at three o'clock is our walking together but at a distance. Why not arrange to meet up with someone from SBC who you haven't seen for a while and catch up over a socially distanced walk. Then share your photos and videos of your walk on the SBC Family Facebook page. This has been SBC News. God bless.
we're going to be singing I will sing of your love forever does anybody out there just love the Lord so much that they just want to sing about his love um, let's join together at this time and let him know that we know that he loves us so much enjoy your time today of worship in singing as God takes pleasure
chapter 10, verses 1 to 21. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God, and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with you, your heart, that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask. Did they not hear? Of course they did. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation. That is not understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I reveal myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, All day long 
I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Well, thanks, Stephen and Margaret, for bringing us that reading. I'll talk about it in a few moments' time. Before I do, I thought I'd talk to you as well about some lines in a song, uh, some earworm, uh, some great music and great lyrics. And the lines have been playing around in my head for the last couple of weeks. And uh, I'll mention them to you now because they came to mind as I was thinking about this passage. Over the last few weeks, we've been busy doing university drop-offs for James and Hannah, and that has meant putting in lots of miles of driving, plenty of road trips. And as everyone knows, one of the things we all need on a long road trip is some decent music. Now, one of my favorite bands is a Scottish one called Bell and Sebastian. And I've been listening again to an album they made several years ago called God Help the Girl. And one of the songs on that album, which I love, is called Perfection as a Hipster. It's a track where the singer is lamenting the fact that he somehow missed the boat, that there are things he's hoped for and longed for, and now he's waking up to the fact that maybe he could have had all those things long ago, all along, Maybe they were sitting under his nose, but, but somehow he failed to recognise them. And in the course of the song, here's what he says. I always wonder how things could have been. Spend every second day just dreaming how the first one ought to be. My dream was realised, but I was sleeping. I love that last line. Just pause. I mean, just think about it for a moment. My dream was realised, but I was sleeping. I mean, it's very clever, that brilliant play on dreaming and, and sleeping, but also very poignant. It was right here in front of me. It was here all along, and I missed it. And I've been thinking about that as I've thought about what Paul says here in Romans 10, we've arrived now at a section of Romans, which I think many of us would admit is one of the hardest in the book. I've listened to quite a few sermon series in Romans in my time, and on more than one occasion, I've noticed how some preachers have a tendency to skip over these chapters. You know, we do the early material on sin and justification. We deal with themes of dying to self and living a new life with Christ, that, that wonderful aliveness Paul speaks of in chapters 6 through to 8. And then we get to all this tricky and obscure stuff about Israel. And what some people do is just fast forward through to chapter 12 and all the, the practical wisdom on how to live that we find from there to the end of the book. But I want us to spend some time this morning looking at Romans 10 and considering the wider themes of the chapters before and after that, because this is a really important part of the book. It's where Paul wrestles with and agonises over the fact that the vast majority of Israel, that the Jewish people have failed to recognise and accept their Messiah, Jesus, that when he finally arrives, that when all God's promises come true, Somehow the Jewish people stumble over the Messiah, while it's the Gentiles 
we turn to him, how has this happened to Israel? How could it be, so to speak, that when the dreams were realised, they were sleeping? And this is something Paul struggles with. He agonises over. At the beginning of chapter 9, he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart over this issue. He even makes an astonishing statement that if it were possible, he would cut himself off from the Messiah if it meant Israel recognised Jesus for who he was. So we need to recognise that this is not some kind of dry academic exercise on the part of Paul as he tries to work these issues through. This is one of the things which strikes me most as I read this passage. I mean, to be honest, I find a lot of what Paul is saying here hard to understand. We can't deny it is difficult. Some of the commentators who've studied Paul their whole lives have referred to this as one of the hardest pieces in all of his writing to understand. But as you read this chapter, I think we can learn not just from what Paul is saying, but actually how he says it, there's such passion here. There is such a love and a concern for those who don't yet know Jesus, as we'll see in a moment. And that love, that care for the lost, it's one of the things which comes across most clearly in the opening verses of chapter 10. Do you remember how we, we read in verse 1 of how Paul says, it is heart's desire and prayer is for Israel to be saved. And then in verses 2 and 3, he goes on to say this, For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but the zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Now it's worth stopping for a moment to reflect on what we read here, because I think it's key to reading a lot of what will come next. It seems to me that Paul's talking here about a way of thinking which is committed to God, which is zealous for God, which is earnest and sincere. And yet somehow these people have failed to see that the law, uh, the prophets, are not an end in themselves. They've always been pointing towards something bigger, a greater renewal, a deeper encounter with God. And that full encounter comes in Jesus, Jesus who is described in, in verse 4 as uh, the culmination of the law. Uh, Tom Wright, a great New Testament scholar, uses two other phrases to describe what Paul is getting at here. Uh, he translates this phrase as saying Christ is uh, the goal of the law. In another place he speaks of Jesus as the climax of the covenant. Everything the covenant has been working towards. And yet the Jewish people, in, in spite of their love for God, uh, have missed the point. And Paul knows how this works. He's been in the same place. He knows what it is to be a Pharisee, a man whose driving force in life is obedience to God and knowledge of his law. Uh, and yet he failed to recognise Jesus so much that he was, he was persecuting his followers. But he's not in that place any longer. And now he speaks with confidence, with real conviction about how the purposes of God have always been pointing to Jesus. And to make this point, 
Paul refers to a whole series of texts from the Old Testament. It's quite something, this chapter. He quotes from Deuteronomy, uh, then from Isaiah, uh, then from Joel, uh, then he goes back two more times to Isaiah, then we have a reference from Psalm 19, then there's another stop off in Deuteronomy, and then the chapter finishes with some more lines from Isaiah. Got that? Wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a whistle-stop tour of the, the Old Testament. But it's worth noting that there is a theme which binds together nearly all of those verses. So every one of them, apart from the psalm, is related in one way or another to exile. They are all passages where Israel is confronted with the reality that exile will take place if they are not obedient to God. Deuteronomy 30, uh, which is a key passage Paul quotes from, uh, is one where even very early on in Israel's story, God raises the possibility of Israel being banished from the land. They haven't even got to the land, but he raises the possibility that, that all that they're gonna be given they could lose if they're not obedient. And yet Deuteronomy also speaks of homecoming, Deuteronomy 30, a homecoming which is described in terms of Israel's hearts being circumcised, a new relationship with God. It's very similar to Jeremiah 31, the, the new covenant language that Denzel helped us to explore just two months ago. And, and this is a relationship, this deep relationship, Paul is keen to stress, that is open to all. It's an invitation God is making to all. So again, think of Romans, think of the early Christians, think of Phoebe, she's taking this letter to these small house churches in Rome. Think of her reading it to these groups of believers, the Jews, the Gentiles, the weak and the strong. And, and imagine again how forcefully Paul's words in verse 12 hit home. Phoebe reads, and she looks them in the eye and she says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Once again, Paul wants these churches to know that every person there, every member of that church, slave free, rich, poor, male, female, and Jew and Gentile, they have a right to be there a right to belong because there is only one basis of admission. It's not about who's been here for a long time and who might be thought of as a Johnny come lately. There's only one way people can come in, by the way made by Jesus. If you believe in him in your heart, if you confess him with your mouth, then, then you come because God's made a way for you. And it's striking as well that Paul is not just content for this message to be worked out in the lives of the people already in these churches relating to each other in better terms. This is not a message for the church to keep to itself. It's a message for all. And if it's a message for people everywhere, for Jew and Gentile, then people everywhere need to be told about it. There are some important words here for each one of us. You know, the good news of the love of Christ is for everyone. The welcome 
God is making to people in Christ is to the ones who've been part of the worshipping community their whole lives. It belongs to them and it belongs just as much to the people we've never met before, but they showed up last Sunday. And it belongs just as much to the people who are yet to show up and who are only going to show up when we get outside the walls of our church. Tell them about Jesus. Now it's worth noting that Paul does acknowledge that not everyone will get this. He makes this point in verse 16 when he quotes from Isaiah. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? And we have to be honest, it is sometimes hard to accept good news and fulfil promises when the promises are fulfilled, but it's in ways you never expected. Maybe you dream of the church growing, but you hope it will grow and be full of people like you because you read about God's promises and you somehow think those promises belong to you and are going to be fulfilled on your terms. It's hard for Israel to get their head around the fact that God's word contains lots of promises about homecoming from exile, but it's not just Jews who get to go home. It's people from every nation and tribe. And it's so hard to recognise God at work in that way. So you can end up in a place where your dream was realised, but you were sleeping. It's hard to hear a message like this, but it's also important to remember what Paul says at the end. And he finishes with that final reading from Isaiah, the one which speaks of God's love and compassion all day long. I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. How might those words be a word to some of us? I wonder if there's a word of, of hope and encouragement here to those of us who feel we've somehow missed out on what God was doing and we feel rueful and regretful. Maybe we worry we've missed the boat. Maybe we regret the ways in which we haven't been open. And I wonder if in these words, God might be saying to some of us, there is such a wideness in my mercy. There is such a breadth in my love. There are so many people I want to draw into my church. So many I want my church to be going out and looking forward to tell them the good news. But I haven't forgotten you. I still hold my hand out to you. Still my heart is full of love for you. I am making room in my church for far more people to belong than anyone imagined. And I want you to belong as well. I am in the business of bringing exiles home. And there is room in this home for you as well. Amen. We're going to be entering into a time of prayer right now. We just want to thank God for the word that's gone forth and we want to ask God to really minister to us as we pray. Let us open our hearts and minds before him to receive the power, to receive the direction, to receive a new zeal and a new energy um, to win the loss for Christ so if you'd like to close your eyes 
and agree with me in prayer um, by maybe saying amen when I finish the sentence that resonates with you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you again for the word. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit right now would minister to those who have heard what has been said. Lord God, we ask that you will direct us back to you, Lord. We don't want to be um, misled by our own service to you based on our own enthusiasms. No, Lord God, we want the zeal of the Lord to come upon, upon us and give us that excitement and give us that drive and give us that urgency to win souls for the lost father many are dying around us as we do our own thing lord god but father right now i'm asking that we will have a new focus that we will just commit our ways to you commit our actions to you lord commit our thoughts to you and ask you to help us to have that sense of urgency for our community that are dying around us without you Father, we pray for those that may be listening right now that have just, you know, passed by and on YouTube and clicked on. Father, we pray for them right now. We ask that you will touch their lives right now to minister to them and ha- allow them to have an encounter with your love and with the with your message of salvation. Father, thank you. Thank you that you care for us all. Father, you are not... um, uh, What's the word? A respecter of persons. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome to take part in serving you and having a relationship with you. Lord God, Romans 10 verse 15 says... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Father, help us to examine the feet, our feet, Lord Jesus. Are we bringing good news, Lord? Are we bringing the gift of salvation to those we interact with? What are we bringing? Help us to reflect. And Father, if we are not bringing the right things to those people around us, Father, help us to rethink our behaviors and make sure that they fall in line with your word lord god order our steps lord jesus and continue to use us as vessels of honor lord god they will know that we are christians by the love we show to one another help us to love one another and be that light that beacon that is needed so needed in the world today father thank you thank you that salvation is for everyone thank you that you died for us lord jesus your word says that he anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed jew and gentile are the same in this respect they all have the same lord who generously gives his riches to all who ask for them. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Father, thank you for this awesome, awesome gift of salvation. We praise you for it, Lord. We honour you, Lord God, and we serve you as you have served us. In Jesus' name, amen.
good to know that the Lord is right here in our midst and he's waiting for the worship that we have to offer up him. So I'm just encouraging us all to give God the worship that he deserves. Hasn't he been good to you? Hasn't he kept you? Hasn't he strengthened you?
thank you again for joining us, friends. I hope and pray that the rest of your Sunday, this day which is God's gift to us, is a blessing to you, whether you're joining us in the foyer soon, whether you're walking together later with someone else from the SBC family, whatever you've got planned. But for now, let me pray God's blessing on you. I pray, my friends, that today and in the days to come this week, you would walk close with and learn afresh from the God we've learnt of in Romans 10. He holds out his hands to you. So be blessed in putting your hands in his. He richly blesses all who call on him. So you be blessed as you cry out to him now. And may you also be a blessing to others. May you go from here with beautiful feet because you walk away from this place and this moment to speak of and be good news to those who haven't yet heard. Amen. Bye for now, friends. God bless and I'll see you again soon.